Blog Talk Radio. Lucis Trust, a non-profit, non-political, and non-sectarian organization on the roster of the Economic and Social Council of the United Nations, and concerned with the establishment of world cooperation and goodwill presents Inner Sight with your host, Robert Anderson. He, with Sarah and Dale McKechnie, President and Vice President of Lucis Trust, will discuss philosophical and spiritual topics essential to everyday life. Now here's your host, Robert Anderson. Welcome. Inner sight is simply seeing that which is always present, but not yet fully recognized. You have, within you, the ability to see yourself and the world around you in a new way with new eyes. So, stay with us and together we'll look at the world and ourselves with inner sight. Our topic for today, The Value of Crisis, Part 4. And before we explore this topic, I'd like to say a few words about Alice Bailey, founder of the Lucis Trust. Lucis Trust sponsors the show. Alice Bailey also wrote 24 books of esoteric philosophy. And those 24 books are the main inspiration for the dialogue that you hear on this show. The following thought is also from the works of Alice Bailey. There is a crisis in human affairs. This must be viewed in terms of opportunity and not in terms of cataclysm or catastrophe. You know, when the program ended last time, you were talking about examples of crisis. Uh, Could you say more about that? Yes, I think we were talking about um, individuals who have uh, dealt with crises and um, made um, an amazing demonstration of fortitude and so on. People like the pianist Leon Fleischer, who injured his hand, and the actor actor Christopher Reeves, who fell from a horse and became a quadriplegic and devoted the rest of his life to working for um, a better understanding of how to treat spinal injuries. And there's the example of Franklin Roosevelt, who was um, disabled by polio and yet went on to lead the United States and the world through World War II and the recovery from the Depression. There are also crises that affect whole groups of people. Um, I'm thinking of one example, the Tibetan people, who, starting in about 1959, I believe, when the Dalai Lama left Tibet, secretly uh, on horse with a few people who accompanied him over the mountains and uh, settled in northern India, and since then has been joined by thousands and thousands of the Tibetan people who have had to flee Tibet, their home, uh, as China took over the their homeland and introduced uh, their own culture and uh, apparently drove out the Tibetan culture. It's been a tremendous crisis for them, but I'm thinking that behind that suffering and the loss of their homeland and their protected realm in the Himalayas, maybe the positive aspect of it was that it forced them to bring the Tibetan culture and religion into uh, more of Western understanding. 
There are Tibetan monks, Tibetan teachers. There's a Tibetan center here in New York that have introduced and shared the Tibetan culture in a way that probably never would have happened uh, if they hadn't been driven out. There's another example I came across recently that struck me, Norway. Only some 15 or 20 years ago, apparently, this huge reserve of oil was discovered off the coast of Norway, and it's become an extremely rich nation. And one of the people interviewed in this um, discussion of the impact it had made on Norway said, well, we didn't do anything to earn this money, and that's why they share it. I think Norway is the first in the world, the the most generous of all nations in the world in terms of per capita foreign aid. They have really risen to the crisis of this sudden influx of wealth in a way that didn't destroy their society with overabundance that was frittered away on materialism. It's been used for world upliftment, and I think that's an example of crisis that's been really positive. Right, you could say that uh, <clears throat> they've seen the, the probably by looking out through the world, they, they've seen the worst that can happen when you uh, come into a lot of money like that, into the riches, and uh, they chose not to uh, go in that direction. And it's, it is a matter of choice, and the motivation behind the, <clears throat> the um, uh, spending of that money was is much more of a pure nature. So, I mean, that is probably a good example for the rest of the world to kind of look at. This nation has had its own crisis, as we all know, in the last few years. September 11th, 2001, was a terrific crisis. And as we've said before, crises always produce a kind of choice that has to be made. They present a a pair, if not more, of alternatives that one has to respond to according to one's values and one's reaction to the crisis. That's why crises can be so creative and so potentially growth-producing. But I have to wonder if our society has really measured up to the crisis of September 11th to the best of our better nature. Initially, if you remember, there was a tremendous expression of international unity. If you remember the statements, I guess you would call them advertisements that appeared in the New York Times and other papers for weeks after September 11th, statements from different nations expressing their solidarity and um, their, their sympathy and their support. They were beautiful statements. And um, there was a, uh, the French woman who made the front of the newspapers saying, translated from French, I think today all of us are American. It was a shared crisis, but look at what we've done since then. We've decided that we are under attack and we have invaded another country. We haven't even invaded the country where apparently the people who organized the attack were... Um, uh, residing when September 11th happened. We went after somebody, not necessarily <laughs> <laughs> the people who organized. Come misdirected? <laughs> well, I don't know. It's like a bullet ricocheting off of, off of a brick wall. Um, I, I think there are periods of crisis when I'm not so sure we can say we've survived them. It's not enough to just endure. There has to be, for a crisis to be successful, 
growth in consciousness and an expanded vision, would you say that the American mm. people have achieved that? <clears throat> well, I think maybe the people have, but um, I'm not sure that certain members of the administration, um, but I don't want to go there. But uh, uh, I think on the whole, perhaps, uh, we do have lessons here that we have to still learn and we, we go continually go through these periods of crisis until we get it right kind of thing and uh, it, as we said earlier it's a matter of choice and the choices that we make when we con- are confronted by crisis or because it's usually the, the choices we make that get us into the problems into the crisis in the first place and uh, we keep making the same mistakes over and over again. Uh, so um, I'm not sure as we have uh, ready yet to uh, take the next step forward that we should. Another aspect of this crisis uh, that is um, an mm. aftermath of September 11th is the crisis in uh, human rights, in um, civil liberties, as they are called. We have made some choices as a a people, speaking of our government who represents us, to limit, severely curtail uh, civil liberties that were enshrined in our Constitution. These are major changes of uh, policy, major changes in national values that I think still have to be reckoned with. And um, examples like Abu Ghraib and Guantanamo are there for us to take a look at. It's never too late to correct the course, but perhaps we have to focus less on being under attack and more on preserving certain values that uh, are just not dispensable. Yeah, I think if the crisis has produced more fear, then it indicates that the uh, focus of consciousness is more in the uh, emotional nature and the astral nature and uh, it's fear of what we're losing or might lose and it's not um, looking in a more detached way at what we can do to overcome and to, to correct this misperception that the world has uh, in, a, in a more uh, productive way. I suppose it's all too human to um, react to crisis, whether it's personal or family or group or national or global, to react with a siege mentality where you hunker down and look for the nearest bunker and go in and close the door. That's very understandable. You just want to ride it out and hope you can return to whatever you consider normal. But the very spiritual nature of crisis is that the the human tendency to desire equilibrium is not necessarily so productive to the soul. And the one thing that shines through the writings of Alice Bailey on crisis is how creative they can be. They are upsetting to the personality who desires equilibrium and comfort and peace and generally wishes not to rock the boat. But to the soul, crisis can be the tilling of the soil, so to speak, that allows new growth to occur. Every farmer who plants crops has to turn up the soil before the new plantings can really take root and be productive. And 
in a way that's what crisis does in human life it turns up the soil and it throws enough balls into the air that we have to reconsider things and that's where the elements of choice enter in if all you try to do is ride it out endure it and return to um, the uh, same point you were at before it occurred that has not been a productive crisis no, like it says in the uh, opening thought, uh, crisis must be seen in terms of opportunity. And uh, <clears throat> we don't always see the opportunities that are right in front of us. And uh, we tend to fall back on old patterns of behavior, old patterns of thinking, and uh, that doesn't move us ahead. It's easy to say, well, you should welcome crises and look at them as creative, but there is this statement from the books of Alice Bailey that says, for the spiritual seeker, if you aren't currently having a crisis, you should create one. So <laughs> we can all think about that. Well, I'm going to run out today and oh, look yeah. for a crisis. <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> for those people who just tuned in, you're listening to Inner Sight, our topic for today, the value of crisis, part four. We've been doing a series on this particular theme. We have a special offer from Lucis Publishing Company, and it's the Alice Bailey book, Serving Humanity. Serving Humanity is a compilation of extracts from all 24 books by Alice Bailey. It's available for $19, and free shipping and handling if you mention that you heard this offer on Inner Sight. Once again, the title of this Alice Bailey book, Serving Humanity. Serving Humanity is an inspiring compilation of extracts that will help the reader's understanding of crisis and why crisis is so important to spiritual development. So what you need to do if you'd like to take advantage of this special offer, send check or money order to Lucis Publishing Company. That would be $19 check or money order. Send it to Lucis Publishing Company, Lucis, L-U-C-I-S for Lucis, Lucis Publishing Company, 120 Wall Street, New York, New York. 10005. That's Lucis Publishing Company, 120 Wall Street, New York, New York, 10005. And ask for Serving Humanity. Of course, there's 24 uh, books by Alice Bailey. This is one of them, but uh, uh, certainly pertains to today's topic, to the whole series, Value of Crisis. And I hope you'll enjoy it as much as so many other people have. We appreciate your donations, by the way, your tax deductible donations can be sent to Lucis Trust, 120 Wall Street, New York, New York, 10005. And that's what keeps us on the air. We can continue uh, doing these, ra uh, these radio shows because of your donations, both large and small. So we do appreciate your support, and we do hope you continue to give us that economic support. And by the way, if you'd like to... Uh, give us a call for any reason whatsoever. Uh, most people call us for a general package of information because they want to know all about Lucis Trust. And if you'd like a general pack of general package of information or other information, just give us a call at one eight six 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 nine five eight two four seven. Once again, that's our toll free number one eight six 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 nine five eight two four seven. The easier way to remember it is one eight six six. N Y Lucis. Think of one eight six six New York Lucis. All of our insight programs can be heard on our website at www.lucistrust.org. 
On the home page, you'll find a link to today's program, which will be available for hearing in a day or two. Last week's program is already available, and many of our past programs can also be heard. Once again, www.lucistrust.org. The theme of each week's program is posted in advance on our website so that you can see in advance what next Sunday's program will be. Uh, you know, I was reflecting as you were, both of you were talking, and I can't say I'm at the point where I'm looking forward to my next crisis as an opportunity for growth. However, I'm thinking, does that apply to uh, a national crisis as well? As, as you, both of you uh, were talking, I, I couldn't help but think of the horrors of the Great Depression. And, mm-hmm. and uh, does mm-hmm. this go for a national depression, a uh, national uh, problem or crisis as well as it, individual? It certainly does. And I was thinking um, as we were getting ready for this uh, program today, the generation that is now the oldest among us, and many of them are uh, passing out of incarnation, have under their belts two terrific crises, uh, the World War and the Depression. And um, speaking as one who was raised by parents who came of age in the Depression, that experience marked them, it marked me, it marked my brother, it's uh, stayed with us in the, it certainly stayed with me in the, my attitudes towards money, towards the uh, future, in ways that aren't all entirely positive, but the experience was really profound, and there are millions of these people who can look back on, on the war and on the depression and say, you know, we came through it and we were better for it and we learned and we triumphed. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that there's any crisis today that is quite on that level of, of the severity of testing, but perhaps we're too close to the picture. I don't know. We've had the the crisis of September 11th, which has been global, and the reaction to the tsunami, which I think was also extraordinary because Alice Bailey speaks of the fire of universality, which is behind the world crisis today. The fire of universality, which is the means by which spirit bridges cleavages. And so many of the world's crises have to do with separativeness, with distancing oneself from others. When this is done by whole societies, it's very, very serious. And we can see that in the world today, it's just not tenable anymore to hold attitudes like that. No, and there's, an, I think, another way of looking at um, uh, world crisis, and uh, that is, is the crisis of humanity is facing today is, I think, indicative of actually the success of the evolutionary process because uh, it is seen in the creativeness of science and technology today, the cell phones and computers and satellite communications and etc., etc., which has brought the world together. And all of this great technological innovations have actually brought us together and made us actually more aware of each other, made us more of a sense of, of oneness. And we see that in the, just in the re- recent crisis of the stock market and um, the worldwide subprime meltdown in the United States caused a reaction in the stock market all around the world and you could see it happening Monday recently uh, there was a uh, great fear among people in the world of a depression or a, a recession here in the United States and it affected the stock markets in Japan 
in China, in India, and in Europe, and all around the world. And you find out that there is, you see there is this very emotional but volatile focus of consciousness that is reacting to conditions here in the United States. And so I think that is an opportunity to see a more universal uh, nature or a universal aspect of this crisis. I think globalization and the worldwide trend toward migration, the movement of whole peoples into other nations, other parts of the world, are other examples of what you're talking about. It's a very interesting time for humanity. I don't think we can say, well, every time you live in is interesting. They probably are. But this is an extraordinary time, Alice Bailey implies, and that throughout human history there haven't always been these periods of urgency and of um, the critical nature of crisis as if it's really a decisive period. Whether or not that's true, I think each of us has to decide by looking at the world and trying to make sense of what's happening. Personally, I believe she's right, that there is something being decided today by humanity that's going to have lasting consequences, and every one of us is a part of that. We can't just sit out the the storm. We have to, each of us, really try to think through the issues of the time and understand what's happening in the world and decide, each of us, if we want to put our energies on the side of the positive forces of uh, unity and goodwill and tolerance and understanding, or whether we want to just retreat out of fear and look after our own. But it's um, implied in the books of Alice Bailey that this is an extraordinary time. One of the reasons being the release of energy of Shambhala, which we have talked about before. Shambhala being the center where the will of God is known, as it's said in the great invocation that always closes these programs. It's been very rarely released directly into human um, experience until the past century, when we're told by the Ageless Wisdom that it was released in the World War, again in 1975 and yet another time in 2000. And it, she says, embodies the energy behind the present world crisis because it's the kind of energy that is very fiery and it has two consequences. It can be enormously destructive and sometimes destruction is necessary to eliminate the old and crystallize. It can also be a fire that unites I don't know which is working out. Well, I think both of them are working out, both aspects of that great energy, and it's a what's called a first-ray energy, and it's a very, very potent uh, energy, and it's not, um, it's not uh, allowed to be focused directly into humanity um, very often because it's used at times when there is a need for certain destructive forces to come into the world to uh, to <clears throat> well destroy, if you will, uh, certain uh, forms of thought and forms of uh, behavior and uh, certain. So uh, there is a need for this energy, and as you say, the last time it was 
focus directly on humanity was in the year 2000, and I think the crises that we're going through right now is perhaps a result of mm-hmm. that impact. The concept of the energy of Shambhala always takes me back to my geology class that I studied in college. We had to take a certain number of science classes, and so I opted for geology for one of them. And the only thing I remember from that class was the three types of rock. Uh, The sedimentary rocks that are built up by the accumulation of layers and layers of sediment. The igneous rocks that are formed from the cooling of magma. And then there's something called metamorphic rock which is from the words change form, metamorphic, and that is rock that has been through the fire so intense that it comes out a whole new um, mineral. It's, it's completely transformed by heat and pressure. And that's what reminds me of the Shambhala crisis. If we think of humanity being transformed by heat and pressure, Maybe something new and beautiful will emerge. It isn't necessarily bad. No, and that's the whole purpose behind uh, the the forces uh, forces of God, actually, because He has His great plans to work out uh, through humanity, and uh, these old forms are perhaps standing in the way and blocking this new energy that mm-hmm. uh, must come through. I think if we want to consider what has to be eliminated. Anything that is separative, anything that builds barriers, whether we're talking about attitudes or relationships or habits of of living and working, anything that contributes to cleavages that isolates oneself or one's own kind, whatever that means to one, anything that separates is going to have to go because the forces of universality are a fire that's pouring throughout the world today. And it's bringing all of the all of the dross right up to the surface where it can be eliminated if mm-hmm. it stands in the way. We shouldn't be afraid of it. Um, Alice Bailey made a comment that always has spoken to me. She said, "Learn to feel joy, a joy which is based on the knowledge that humanity has always triumphed and passed onward and forward in spite of apparent failures, and in spite of the destruction of past." civilizations and there have been plenty of destructions she said learn to feel a joy which is founded on the unshakable belief that all people are souls and that points of crisis are factors which are of proven usefulness in calling in the power of the soul in the easiest of times the soul doesn't have to intervene but it's in periods of crises that we call on the soul and that's true both of individuals and whole groups We should believe that we are up for the challenge because all we have to do is look back through history and see triumph again and again. I have great faith. Please take advantage of our special offer. It's an offer from Luce's Publishing Company. Uh, The title of the book, it's an Alice Bailey book, the title of which is Serving Humanity. Serving Humanity is a compilation of extracts from all 24 books by Alice Bailey, and it's available now for $19. Free shipping and handling if you mention that you heard this offer on Inner Sight. Once again, the title, Serving Humanity by Alice Bailey. Serving Humanity is an inspiring compilation of extracts that will help the reader's understanding of crisis and why crisis is so important to spiritual development. 
So what you need to do, if you'd like to take advantage of the special offer, send a check or a money order, $19, to Lucis Publishing Company, Lucis L-U-C-I-S. That's Lucis Publishing Company, 120 Wall Street, New York, New York, 10005. Once again, send a check or money order, $19, to Lucis Publishing Company, Lucis L-U-C-I-S. Lucis Publishing Company, 120 Wall Street, New York, New York, 10005. You've been listening to Inner Sight. Now we would like to close with a world prayer called The Great Invocation. It's a call for light and love and goodwill to flow into the world and into our hearts. Let's listen for a moment to these powerful words. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Hey folks, Dirk Bentley here. If you've seen one of my concerts, you know I'm all about energy. Performing, recording, traveling, being a husband and a father, it's a busy life, and I need to be 100% every day. So when my battery starts running low, I grab a sugar-free, vitamin-packed, five-hour energy shot. It tastes great, and it gets me back to 100% fast. Try it. It could work for your busy life, too. For more information, visit 5hourenergy.com. 